Welcome to the Weld.com podcast. From welders to fabricators, pipe fitters, engineers, sculptors, hobbyists, and more. We know all of these various roles in the welding industry and how they connect. As the hub of the industry, we're going to bring in various guest hosts and professionals to the Weld.com community to share their knowledge and expertise. You subscribe to us on YouTube to watch us in action. And now on the Weld.com podcast, you can listen as we discuss various topics such as requests from our members, troubleshooting issues, career changes, starting your own business, and more. So let's get into this week's episode. On this episode, we talked to Steve Darnell, who is on the Discovery Channel, Vegas Rat Rods, and also owns Welder Up in Las Vegas. So... Thank you for talking to me, first of all. We yeah. appreciate that. I'm excited to, you know, have you working with us. And, you know, we've been promoting your Welder 101 course. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit more so you could let the Weld.com audience know a little bit of, you know, everybody knows you from your TV show. And I wanted to see, you know, what was the reason that you got into welding and you know why you've stuck with it and where you hope that it's going to take you in your future. Well, I mean, you know, I'm 50 years old almost, so my future's kind of come and gone, but, um, but it's never too late to learn things. And I, I notice I know that every time I, uh, I do something, the, the world of welding is so huge that, you know, you can learn every day from it. But I think, What's inspired me to be here is, you know, my dad was, he had a, um, he had a little welding business when I was a little kid and, uh, he built a lot of rod iron and different things like that here, here, well, in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, as a little kid, I'd be out there six or seven years old with a, you know, to clean the steel back then, it was gasoline and a rag, you know, they didn't use like cleaner, they, you know, it was old school gas and a rag, I remember that, and uh, anyway, uh, I'd clean that square tubing for my dad, and he would cut it all up, and then weld it into something, you know, and I was kind of the, you know, sweep the shop, clean up things around, and you know, I had, I actually had a great opportunity to go to work with my dad. You know, nowadays you can't do that. I don't think anymore, you know, so, but I, I mean, to get into detail about it, it's like the dirtiness of it and the bleeding and the, the sweat is what really, I just seen my dad doing it. And I'm like, this is so cool. You know, like he's a real man. Like it just inspired me to be like that. And I wanted to, you know, I, and then once I kind of learned how to weld a little bit, um, I used to build up when I was about 16 years old, I used to build these flatbeds. Like I'm talking 36 foot flatbeds. I went on a, we would order these trucks and they would come with a cabin chassis and then I would build a flatbed for them. And it was out in the dirt in the parking lot (laughs) with a stick welder. And, um, you know, I, I learned how to, I learned how to put things together. I learned how to weld an uphill pass. I learned how to manipulate metal on any way I could. Um, 
You know, sometimes if I had a piece of equipment up there, instead of just sitting there running uphills all day long, I would take the piece, flip it on its side and just run it straight across that way. You know, like basically a T-joint, it would save me so much time, you know, and you just, you learn how to do that as you get experience in welding. And it's like, there's um, so many different avenues you can go with, with it. But this was my, this was my avenue. You know, we had a steel business. My dad started a little steel company and basically uh, once it grew, um, you know, we had shears and rebar machines that would break constantly. And, so my job was to weld them all back together. And, you know, I never really went to school. I didn't really have anybody teach me. My dad was so busy. He didn't have time to mess with me, you know, to learn. So basically I would just go over and look at somebody's weld and then try to match it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When I was little, that's how I learned to, I kind of self-taught a little bit. <clears throat> um, and, you know, man, when I got a MIG welder, I thought life was like, wow, this is great. You know what I mean? Because, but the key thing about that stick welding starting off in my life being, you know, with a stick welder, it really is the core to welding no matter what. Like it, it develops the TIG welding, it develops the MIG welding. And, you know, of course, um, acetylene welding is something you should learn first. I mean, that's, that's a great way. And I don't think nowadays most kids know anything about acetylene welding really because they're so available with a MIG welder and there's so much you can do with learning how to acetylene weld too you know and being in the automotive world every mechanic out there should know how to weld with a torch they really should because you can weld brass fittings back together you can make things you can patch holes in a in a in a, in a line that you wouldn't think would be fixable and it's part of being the mechanic. <clears throat> of course, nowadays, I mean, things are so parts exchanged that, you know, the old school mechanics kind of going away, you know. But, um, but I think really it was just the fact of, you know, being around my dad <clears throat> at that time and, and really seeing what a man has to do to get up and go to work every day. I mean, that was really my, that really inspired me, you know. And, you know, once you develop that and you're basically on your own, you have that skill to go forward and then it just feels good. It's freedom. It really is. So your son is um, welding because you sent me some videos of him. So Uh do you see like being in store, like for his future, like, is that um, a rewarding part? of you know what you do is to have your son you know take after you a little bit yeah so i have excuse me so i have two sons one's 21 one's 22 um they both know how to weld they can fabricate they know how to build stuff i mean they're still young you know what i mean so they're they're learning every day but whether they take it off to be um, their future or not, it's good to know it. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, um, you know, when you start off learning how to put things together, know how to weld and basically you become your own engineer as a fabricator too. Like you, you manipulate things and you make it work 
And once you, you've learned how to put things together and in the future, let's say that you're not welding as much anymore, but you're running a crew, you know what I mean? And you can already say you've been there and done that. Like I already know kind of how that goes together. So I think as a young man, it's a good, it's a great trade to learn how to get in there and get the experience. You know, like I said, most anybody could really kind of weld if they wanted to, but the experience of it is something you, you cannot pay for. You can't go get that. There's nothing you can do. Not even on my course. I can show you shortcuts on how to get there and give you, my, um, you know, basically my, my shortcuts to getting you started. But the only way to really become a great welder is to be out there in the mix of it and have your paycheck on the line and know that you could get fired <laughs> because once your butt is on the line, it's going to make you better because you don't want to fail. And once you have that and you, you pick a job up and you're like scared because I've done it before. Like I've got a job and I'm like, oh my gosh, man, I've, I've never done this before. I don't know really what I'm doing. Once you get involved in it and you really start to put traction down on the job and you're like, okay, then you start flowing with it. But the only way that it flows is if you have that experience. And, you know, I asked a lot of old guys that were welders back in the old days, like, questions and you know we didn't have weld.com to go to and like these guys that you have on there that are so skilled and like have the answer we didn't have social media so it was just well screwed up three or four times till you get it figured out or you know ask these old guys that's kind of how I did it I was like you know find these guys that are like 60 70 years old that have been welding for 40 years and you know, most of those guys have forgot more crap than most guys have ever known, you know. And so it was always really cool to be able to, you know, pick the brains of these old guys and like watch their technique and follow through with them because they're, they just got it. Um, but like I said, now today you can get online and you can kind of research welding and learn it quick. But you can watch as many welding videos as you want but you got to get your butt up out of the chair and you got to go apply it to learn how it feels to be there. Um, it looks good. And especially like a lot of these guys on weld.com, it's like, okay, that is such a pretty weld and it's so beautiful what they just did. Most guys are like, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to do that the first time. And there, there, it isn't there. You're not, you're just not. So like I said, with this welding course, and it's just a MIG course, you know, it's basically just teaching you how to turn the machine on and get some gas flowing and where to set it up and which, you know, what element you're in and where at and get you started. And I think once people get started with a MIG welder, they'll enjoy welding. Stick welding is kind of frustrating, but when I started, that's really kind of all I had to mess with. So, but most guys, anything that makes fire and sparks, they're all into it. And that, that's serious. Like, I love it because of it, you know, smoke and fire and, you know, it's just cool. So, um, so let me ask you this. I already know just from speaking with you a couple of times that you're really big about work ethic. So talk to me about 
somebody that would be like straight out of high school that's considering, you know, what they're going to do with their life and how important like work ethic is going to be to them to get to work? Well, unfortunately, in today's generation, work ethic is, it's just falling apart. I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, like my granddad was a World War II vet. Their work ethic was unbelievable. They went to war to die. No cell phones, no, no, nothing. They couldn't call nobody. It was like, get on the bus and good luck. I'll hope I see you when it's over. Um, when them guys got out of war, they really went to inventing things and building more stuff. You know what I mean? Like some of the craftsmanship of what they were doing back then. You got to think this is a generation that came from the great depression as children. So, you know, that generation had no choice, but to have to work <clears throat> the baby, the baby boomers, which is my dad's generation. <clears throat> you know, they would have probably, you know, been Vietnam vets, but they got their butts kicked by a World War II vet, right? Well, my generation is my dad is a son of a, I'm a grandson of a World War II vet. <clears throat> well, every generation that it goes down, it gets just weaker and weaker and weaker. And the reason why is because there's an excuse for everything. There's an excuse for everything. No one is accountable anymore. Um, World War II vets were too proud to know that they had to, they would never file bankruptcy. They would have never not made their payments. They would have figured some, some way to, to not have to make a payment on what they've, what they have. So they didn't really overextend themselves like we do now. So now people have such an excuse to just be lazy. You know, and, you know, the immigrants that's come into this country is kind of taken over a lot of the work ethic for these younger kids that we have in our own country that really need to be out doing it. <clears throat> you know, not everybody's going to make a million dollars on TikTok. Not everybody's going to have um, a YouTube channel that's got sick. I mean, I've been on TV for eight years and I don't have millions of viewers on my YouTube channel. <laughs> And they're, unfortunately, the reason why is because I try to do videos that are educational. Um, if I was doing something really stupid, I would probably have more followers. But it's just not my style. You know what I mean? Um, because of Welder Up and because of what I've done, I have a generation below me of these great kids that are interested in it. And that's why I did Welder 101 is because... I have all these young guys that really are interested in it, but their dads aren't welders. Their dads, dads weren't welders. You know, it could have been from a, the millennial generation where it was in between all of that. And the millennial kids are having kids and those kids are the ones that want to learn how to weld right now. You know what I mean? And <clears throat> even the dads, even the dads want to learn how to weld. Um, I still think that we have some backbone in this country that, and, and I really honestly think that it starts with these guys that have trades, you know, and welding to me is just badass. It's just, you're a badass. 
every welder that you see that pulls in in a rig truck gets out with a chip on his shoulder and a little bit arrogant because he knows that he built that truck. He made that happen. He went out there in some ditch and welded a freaking 48 inch pipe together for four days and just came out of the mud. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's, it's real. You know what I mean? And I love that feeling. I like to be like that. I like to know that I feel that way about myself. Like, but the generation now is, I look at it like this. I would rather get out of my welding truck with holes burned in my boots and my welding hat with holes in it to go into the store to get myself groceries than to get out with a man bun and skinny jeans on in a Prius. I mean, that's just me though. I'm not, I don't, that does not look manly to me. Yeah. You know, and I feel like these kids are starving to be a man, but they don't know how to do it anymore. So I feel like welding, when you burn yourself and you have to carry heavy stuff and you're stuck in a position with a cramp in your leg, trying to finish a weld really quick, or whatever the case may be, that's part of sacrificing to be a man. And nowadays you don't have to, you know, you can make money playing video games and shit. I, I don't even get it. Like I'm too old now though. You know, like I, I'm old. So I mean, I just don't get it anymore. Let's talk about um, what you think has been the most exciting welding project you've ever worked on. Wow. Well, I've done some, I've done some really unique, crazy different things. Um, I know that, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to go back into my Rolodex of, I mean, it's, it's over 30 years of exciting things that I've welded, but I think the most, one of the, one of the coolest things that it, it's something I never thought I would do, but probably in 2005 or six, um, a lady called me on the phone just randomly and says, Hey, I'm looking for a welder. Um, I've got two chimpanzees and I need to build some cages. And I'm like, I I'm like, at first I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, is this a prank? You know? Cause this was in Montana, you know, at the time. And I was like, all right, well, look, uh, maybe I'll run out and take a look and see what you got. Because I was more than anything, I was just curious to see what exactly she was talking about. So anyway, I went out there. Sure enough, she's got these two chimpanzees, right? And they're like babies at the time. They're little, they're little guys. But um, so I started off by building her a little chimpanzee cage in her kitchen, literally in her house. And, um, and then it went into, I need beds in their rooms. So I had to build these caged beds that they couldn't get out of. Right. Then it went from that to building these cages that she puts in her Hummer to haul the chimpanzees around. And then she grew out of that house with these chimpanzees. So in the meantime, I had to build her this big cage inside of her office at work. And she was a real estate agent. So I built these big cages in her office and then she moves to a, a bigger house 
And I had to kind of like reinstall the stuff I already built inside of her house, but she bought it because it had a big garage on it. So basically I turned this garage into like, I'm telling you like a 4,000 square foot chimpanzee cage. Okay. And then I went on the outside of it and I built like this monster playground out of uh, three inch woven wire rock screen. Basically I built it out of rock screen because they're so strong that they'll rip them apart. And it was all made out of like three by three, uh, 120 wall square tube. And um, inside this is facility. I on the the pillars that were in the middle. I made them look like trees, so they could swing on the trees. And and um, it was all fully encaged with. Uh, I mean, it was like a year project of like all of this, right? And um, I just, I mean, I made these like really like intricate sliding doors that you would have to slide them open they would go into this one room and then you would latch it so they could feed, you know, so they could basically clean the cage while they're in there because, you know, those chimpanzees are kind of nasty, you know what I mean? And uh, they'll, if they get a hold of you, you know, these are little ones and they're strong and full grown. They're like, you know, 10 times stronger than a man. So whatever I built for them was like super strong. Like you couldn't get out of them. Like it was, probably stronger than a prison and i had to make these feed troughs that basically flipped back and forth where you'd put the food in it and then it would flip to feed them but as it shut they wouldn't be able to reach their hand in there and grab you because if they grab a hold of your arm they'll, they'll pull it off like they're they're pretty strong so <laughs> there there's a perfect example of being a welder with maybe a little bit of creativity didn't know nothing about chimpanzee cages never you know never don't know nothing about primates don't know nothing about any of that stuff um but i guess the challenging part of it was okay you got to look at the strength of these animals how athletic they are how much they want to climb around and play and um you know it wasn't something that i'm really into but at the at that time I had to get into it because I need to learn what these animals were doing, you know? And, um, it's just one of those things that it's probably not the craziest thing I've ever done, but it's probably one of the most unique things that I, I did, you know, because you just never know what phone call you're going to get when you're a welder. You just don't know. I mean, you know, whenever you, if you got a welder in the back of your truck, yeah, conversations get really weird because you never know what people want you to build. But yeah, that was yeah. one that I thought was pretty crazy. I've done some real, really hard, like rolled over. I remember one time I had to weld this guy's up. It was a big, huge water tank and he rolled it and it caved the whole side of the tank and it was 40 foot long. But the insurance company was going to pay him to repair it. So... <laughs> You know, we're talking three-eighths inch thick rolled um, plate. And I had to get the plate rolled perfectly and cut the whole side out, crawl inside of it, cut all the baffles out of it. And, I mean, it was a, it was one of those jobs that I didn't think 
I was like, I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. And it turned out really good by the time it was over. And, you know, I mean, there's just, I don't know, there's hundreds of different things I could probably think of. Um, one of the, one of the craziest things though, that I got to tell you real quick is I get a phone call one day, you know, I'm portable at this time. I had a portable welding truck back in 2000 and probably one to 2010. And, um, a lady called me or a guy called me and said, Hey, I need my wheelchair welded together. And, um, I was wondering if you'd come over and weld this wheelchair. And I'm like, ah, man, you know, I hate to do like little jobs like that. Cause I'm, you know, it's not really paying me a ton of money. He goes, look, I'm in the wheelchair. Like I'm crippled from the waist down. And when I move it back, it flips me over. And I'm like, oh man, I feel bad for this guy. Right. So I go, I'll come look at it. So I go downtown and he's, he works in an office. He's a successful businessman. Um, you know, he runs this wheelchair basically with like his finger and he's, you know, he's seriously like crippled from the waist down. And I go, well, I mean, how do we get you out of it? And he goes, I can't, I really can't get out of it. So I go, all right, well come out to the parking garage. So I take this guy out in the parking garage. I ratchet strap him to the side of my truck because I had to figure out how to pull it back into place. And I ratchet strap this thing back into place, crawl underneath this wheelchair and weld these brackets back together that were broken in there with him in it. And I'm like, <laughs> what gets crazier than this? You know what I mean? It's just, it was just insane. So I think the fun of the welding is that you just never know what you're going to do. And I think that's what makes it so exciting too. So one of the questions that we hear a lot is um, people that are like just starting like their own little business and they don't understand like how to charge for their work. Do you have any like feedback? Like, of course that's going to change no matter like depending on where they are, like which area of the country, but what kind of advice would you give somebody who's just starting a business and they're learning how to, um, what to charge people? Well, I can tell you this right now. Like, you know, you see these guys out there that are like welders that are making 125 bucks an hour, $150 an hour with their truck. You know, a lot of those guys got a lot of experience, but if you're just starting, you got to remember that your quality of work and your, um, time frame is not going to be the same as someone that has experience. I would say that if you're starting out, take it as a learning lesson for the first year or two. Don't overcharge somebody for your work. Take it as a learning curve and learn how to charge people for what you're doing as you get better. Because there's guys out there that are worth, you know, 20 bucks an hour. And there's guys out there worth 120 bucks an hour. And, you know, really pick and choose what you know and practice on that before you move up and move up. I mean, sometimes you have to take a risk and that's part of growing your business. But remember that if you're only into this for the first year, take it as a college course and you're getting paid for it because the, you know, the biggest thing about a beginner welder is, the experience and what I mean by that is like not just welding if you pull up on a job and you got a truck and you're like okay I'm here to weld 
and I've done this before, so this is how I know. You go to you got to cut something with a cutoff wheel that's precise, and you forgot all your cutoff wheels, or you forgot your welding hood. I've done that before in my shop. I've been using my welding hood in my shop, and I forget to load it in my truck. I drive forty miles out there. Well, you can't charge that guy to turn around, drive back, and get your welding ha- helmet. So it's experience. It's like okay, put two welding, get two welding helmets, one for your shop and one for your truck. That way you're saving yourself and that guy time. But the only person that really has to pay for that experience is you. And you can't really charge a customer that because he won't call you back. But sometimes if you come in humble and you say, Hey, I don't really know everything about what I'm doing here, but I'm going to try to get it done. Um, they'll call you back on the next one only because you're trying. If you, you know, a lot of guys just, they won't even try it, you know, which maybe is a good thing too. But um, I would say if you're starting off, if you got to shop at, at your house or your, your shop, wherever, you know, set yourself a flat rate of what you think you're worth at that moment. And then as you get more experience, just charge more because that means you can go out there and do it actually in half the time it took you before. So it all pays the same, really. It's just experience, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. What would you say about um, like prioritizing work? So like we've talked about work ethic, we've talked about, you know, starting, you know, a business and things like that. But what about like how you prioritize like the work you have to do? Well, what it comes down to, hey, Steve, um, what it really comes down to is, um, you know, if how obsessed are you on being successful? You follow me? Like there's levels of it. Um, you know, like with me, sacrifices have to be made to be successful. And sometimes it, it's sometimes it's your relationship. Sometimes it's your kids. Sometimes it's, you know, your family, they take the worst hit. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's one or the other, either you can stay home all day and pick and choose your jobs and make okay money, or you can become obsessed with it and make a lot of money, but sacrifices are made on both sides of the fence. It really depends on how far you want to go. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to even it out especially if you're married and you have kids. Um, My advice is if this is what you love to do, then surround yourself around it and try to make it work where they're close to you, but you still can work 12 hours a day. I mean, that's me. I mean, I, you know, I mean, my relationship when I was married didn't last forever because I was obsessed with my work, you know, Um, did I take my kids fishing a lot? Not really. I mean, we raced dirt bikes together. Um, we rodeoed, we did my kids junior rodeoed and rode race dirt bikes. That's it. Um, we didn't go really camping. We didn't do that kind of stuff because we worked seven days a week. Um, you got to And then what you do is your kids learn that that's what they're going to do when they get older. And it's like, it, it's just not all fun. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, unless you enjoy what you do and if you're obsessed with what you're doing, then it's not that bad. 
you just got to figure out how to balance it out amongst everybody. And not everybody's always happy, but this is your life. And, and you have to figure out what sacrifices need to be made to be successful. And that's, that's what it comes down to. That makes sense. I think the kids get to see the work ethic then too, from the parents, because if you're, I mean, I've had times in in my life that, you know, like a little bit, I was a stay at home mom, but I couldn't stand it. I had to get out of the house. Like, that's not me. I like to be working or doing something and your kids catch on to what you're doing. And I think it, that's what gives them the work ethic. Well, yeah, I mean, really you can't, you can't for sure have everything work out perfectly. All you could do is lead by an example, you know, like with my kids, you know, maybe I wasn't the greatest dad all the time, but there's no doubt in their mind that they know that their dad is willing to make the sacrifice to get stuff done and to make it happen. And in a way, they become that way. Cause I watched my dad do it. My dad never took me to the park. We didn't go fishing. We didn't do any of that stuff. We worked. I sat in the front seat of an old Ford truck everywhere he went doing things with him. And so naturally that's all I know. And you know, your kids can become bitter because of it when they're in their younger ages, but as they get older, they'll start to understand that they wouldn't have it any other way. Like with me, I was bitter, you know, cause I was like, you know, all I did is work with my dad. I didn't get to go play and hang out with him. But now I just, I'm in such a motion of just every day, every day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I don't even know what day it is sometimes. Cause I go every day. And at that point you're obsessed and it doesn't matter anymore. And you just, you take what you can when you can with loving your kids and your family. But anybody, anybody that is a very successful business person has sacrificed things that doesn't make everybody happy, but it's one or the other either stay home and get your stimulus check for the rest of your life and be the greatest dad eating Cheerios on the couch with your kids watching cartoons or make sacrifices so you can hopefully they can be the same way you are because we're not heading in a good direction right now (laughs) with the the generation coming up right now. I'm just saying. Yeah. I see that too, especially with the, there are so many places that I've even seen, like they're closing because they can't even get anybody to come to work. Yeah. It's really, really sad. And it's like the kids that do have talent, are the ones that are doing their own thing. You know, the, the other ones that are not really into work, like, dude, I was, I've just found down here in Detroit, there's a thousand people working at Ford right now, putting Ford F-150s together. I just watched them. And it's really cool to see American people still doing work here in Detroit. It's like really cool. But yeah, man, I, I really don't know what, what's going to happen. I just hope that with, you know, like welding, you know, I love welding. I think it's a great trade. I think it's a good trade to know whether you ever use it or not. If you, if you know how to put things together, 
it will help you in life. Believe me, it'll put you at a different level. You never thought you would be at. And that's what I always tell people. I'm like, you know, every time you do like my kids, every time they weld something, I'm like, you learned a lot, didn't you? You know, like chase out there welding that big rock screen together. I mean, he learned a lot. He learned a lot of things on that. You know, he's 22 years old. He learned a lot of things and that just steps him to the next level. And I think that you have to take a chance and you have to get out there and burn yourself and bleed and sweat and, you know, question what you're doing out there. Cause that's, that's how you become successful and you got to get obsessed with it because without the drive and the want, you'll never do it. It just, this isn't for everybody. If you're not willing to go out there and crawl down into some muddy ass hole and cut something and cut it back, weld it back together and feel proud about it, then don't do it. It's not for you. There is definitely a sense of pride that I notice in the welding community. So that's like a big thing is that they have a lot of pride in like what their work that is that they're putting out. Oh, 100%. Um, You know, doing Vegas rat rods, for instance, and welding and, you know, fabricating these cars and, you know, and I don't, I really honestly don't consider myself like a badass welder. You know what I mean? I think I'm a fairly decent welder, but I don't specialize in one thing. I'm kind of like, I kind of do a little bit of everything, which for me, it's more lucrative in my world to just be diversified. Um, There's TIG welders out there that blow my mind. Like I watch weld.com and I'm like, give me a break. Like I'll never weld as good as those TIG welders. Those guys are freaking awesome. You know what I mean? And some of the knowledge that I see on there, is like these guys specialize in TIG welding stainless where they make it look so good. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm never going to be that good. But I can climb up to the top of this freaking tower over here and weld back together some stuff and it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect me at all. So the diversity is, you know, the welding world is so huge that you just kind of pick and choose your, your avenues and feel proud about it and love it because – those guys that are on weld.com that are showing people how to weld, they're proud of themselves and they, they are good. I, I mean, I watch them. I'm like, damn, you know, they're really good guys. You know, these guys are great. They deliver good. They're smart. They know the terms, you know, and um, you know, so that's how you learn. And, um, but the sense of pride, dude, I love it. I love, I love looking at something that I built and walk away from it and go, yeah, that's cool. You know what I mean? I did that. And, you know, uh, it makes you, it makes you go home and go to bed early and you feel good about yourself. You get up and you go to work in the morning and you feel accomplished every day. And when you don't feel accomplished every day, it just makes you feel like a waste of space in this world. And, um, I like that sense of accomplishment daily that I've accomplished something. So I think that if we could get everybody on that track of feeling accomplished um, and welding is definitely something that you can stand back and look at and go, I did that. You know, I did rebar work forever. You know, I tied a lot of rebar in my younger age and I would tie all this rebar and then we'd pour it in concrete. I'd never see it again. 
And I was like, that sucks. <laughs> I want to build something I can see. And that's why I love to fabricate because you can see it when you're done. So I have an important question to you. So, or for you. So your welder 101 course that you made. So obviously you've had this life, you know, of welding and then you transition. Like at some point you said you wanted to help educate. How did you turn on like that educator point of view? Because this is like something that I want to share with our hosts. So we have two we have three new co-hosts and they are not educators. So the previous host, Bob and Jason Redbeard, and, you know, even, you know, Mr. Tig, they were very like instructor personalities. So this right. is something that I would like for you to give advice to the new guys. Like our one guy is just a weld. He's our weld lab manager. And then the other guy is, you know, younger and he's really into titanium. And then we have Sean who is like more into the artsy side of it. Those guys are like, you can't just turn on a switch and become an educator. So what kind of advice would you give as far as, cause you've been doing those lessons in in your shop too, right? Where you have people come in and they take lessons in person as well. Like after they take your welder 101 course, like what kind of advice can you say about explaining things? Like, and not just like going through the motions so fast. Well, and it might be different for me only because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 49 years old and I've had life experiences that are probably 25 years above the guys that are in there because they're probably all young right no paul no? is paul's actually like 55 well like say say take like paul for instance paul needs to teach with his experience in life really i mean you can you can sit down and you can go to the book and really learn how to weld but the experience of what you've done in your life is what you need to teach because not everything is perfect. Not every weld is made on a table. Not every weld is made on a, on a rotisserie that just spins and you weld. I mean, it's, it's, it's 10 degrees outside and you got to climb up a ladder with your car hearts on and make sure you have enough rod in your pocket. You got everything ready to climb all the way up there with the wind blowing and this thing needs to be welded today. That's, that's sacrifice. That's experience. That's something that you can't really teach in class, but you need to infuse it into them and give them that feeling for a minute of what it must feel like. You know, not all of this is just going to be MIG welding T-joints on a freaking table that's perfect in a warm shop with no air, no wind. It's perfect environment. Um, so when I'm like, if I'm teaching these young kids, I'm like, I literally will, will get behind them and kick their legs out and get them where they're in position because people don't know how to get in position to weld correctly. And so I'll kick their legs when they're sitting there. I'll, I'll kick their boots and spread their legs out so they get down on the table and they feel real comfortable and teach them as you would feel when you're going to weld it. That's how I do it. And I'm not, like, like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a teacher really. 
I'm really not a teacher, but what I'm doing is I'm taking things from my life and the, the fight that I've had to fight to learn how to weld decent. And I'm just delivering it to them to give them a, a shortcut. And I think that's, what's important about teaching people how to weld is basically give them that life experience that you've lived and give them a shortcut to it so they can just go from there. And I think that's why we've had people teach us over the last, you know, thousand years of our lives is we need a teacher that can basically an experienced teacher. I mean, there's teachers out there that have never really been in the element and I'm an element teacher. Like I've been there. I've done that. I've been muddy. I've been electrocuted. I've been, I've had it all. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you want them to feel that when they're in there with you, you know? And I think that that's what drives them to want more. And I think a lot of these kids that want to be welders are tired of being babied anyway. They want to be roughed up a little bit. They want to feel it. And those are the ones that are going to make it. The ones that aren't afraid to be roughed up a little bit, you know? Um, I'm not, when I'm doing my course, I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm here to teach you. We're going to go hard all day. And, you know, you're going to go hard all day. We're not going to be in here bullshitting. Let's kick some butt. Let's make it happen. And I think to the guys that are going to be teaching these new um, courses in there is just remember that use your life experience to explain to these people how it really works. Um, textbook is great. It is. But you got to give them the feel of what it feels like, you know, the, the hard knocks of it a little bit so they know what they're in for. And don't give it to them easy. Let them, let them have it hard because if, if you pamper them along the way, which most, most people want to be pampered and tell them they're having a great day and it's been a good job and they did great. I mean, if they are doing good, then reward them for it. But if it sucks, then dude, tell them, you know, it sucks. Let's try this again. Keep going until we get it right. And, um, you know, it's, it's like, we're not here to just for a hobby. Like, like this is, I'll take this serious because I'm giving it to you serious, you know? And, um, but I think that, like I said, most of these kids, they want it the real way. You know, they're tired of being pampered along the way. So, you know, give it to them hard. That's what I say. Let them have it. That makes sense. So I've heard you say a lot that, that work is like something like you love it. You're, you know, you're surrounded in it. What do you do in your free time other than weld? Do you have any other hobbies? Well, I don't weld all day. I'm not just in there just building stuff all day. My, my life now, and, the, and you asked me about teaching. The reason why I got into the teaching is because now I've created this fan base. There's 280 territories worldwide that watch me on TV. I'm more popular actually in Europe, Canada, Brazil is a huge following. Um, the United States, yeah, I mean, but worldwide is more for me. And what happens is you become a, an iconic figure in the welding world and people want to know about it 
So they're always asking me, what kind of welder do you use? Where do I learn how to weld? How can I do it? And that's why I got into this is because I've become a face to influence people. And that, and it just naturally happened. It wasn't something that I planned on doing. It's just naturally happening because I'm like, well, I've got all these followers that are following me between Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and they have questions. Now, how can I put this all together? Well, I sat down in my shop and I literally did 200 hours of welding and explaining to edit it into 10 hours. So people can actually listen to it. And if they're going to pay for this course, then they're going to want to learn. They're not, if it's free, people don't really take it that serious. But if you got to pay for this and sit down and watch 10 hours of Steve Darnell in your face, and when you learn and you want to come to the shop at Welder Up, and we put together a deal where you can come here and I'll give you your money back on your course to buy the course in the shop. It's just an incentive for you to come and like take it to the next level. And those are the people I want to teach because they want to do it. Um, but I think that that's what it has to come down to is how bad do you really want it? And if you're going to pay for it, then you're going to want to do it. Right. And then I can't remember exactly what you got, what I, I got off. I said, what's your hobby other than all of that? Oh, my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> you went straight back down the rabbit hole. You just started saying stuff about work again. Uh, so well, do you, I don't know. Do let's see, my hobbies. Um, I, I mean, aside of welding, of course, I love to work on my cars. Um, I really love the history of the 20s and 30s I think that you know that was the time when everything was being turned and and so anytime I have a chance to like live that I like that that's a that's a fun hobby of mine is just to kind of like go out and dink around with these old engines and motors and make them run and have fun with them um you know I always when you become obsessed with your work I don't know how to explain it, but it's like you think of you think of the things that you want to do, but you never have time for it. You know, this is, I mean, me being in Chicago right now, come to Henry Ford Museum, I literally had to schedule a day and do it or I would have never came. That's truth. And as I get older, that's where I'm, I got to do it before it's too late. And so it's like, but when I was in my 30s, everything was dumb. There was no time for vacation, no weekends off. I didn't do nothing but work. And, but it's not that I don't enjoy it either. I think my hobby is kind of the fact that I get up every day and I go to work. And I see what happens that day. Um, but I don't do like... I don't go hiking, you know, I don't go fishing really. I don't, I don't do those things, you know, I mean, I'm just not, I don't plan like this yearly trip to somewhere, you know, like most people in the world do. And, and um, I'm not saying that this is good for people, you know, I mean, this is just how I do it. And, um, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you gotta kind of be there beating at it every day, if you're gonna make something happen. And some people are okay with not, you know, but I'm not, I, I gotta, 
I got to go to the next level. So like I wrote a hundred page movie. I'm going to do a movie. That's my next thing. I want to direct it, produce it, stunt drive in it, build the set design, everything. That's my next goal in life. Like that's my hobby is to think of the next thing that's going to aggravate the shit out of my sister because <laughs> I involve her in everything that I do because she's the mastermind behind me. And that's another thing. If you guys are going to become welders and be successful, you better find a good woman that can back you up. And the good woman I have is my sister. And I'll tell you what, I probably wouldn't be the person I am today without her um, because she organizes, she directs. I mean, this phone call today, was directed because of her. Um, so make sure that you have someone watching your back that can take care of your paperwork, your finances, make sure that you're in the, you're in the green, not in the red and get someone you can trust. And that really, honestly, I would say that's probably 50% of your success is to have somebody on your backside that can take care of you. Because if you're like I am, you just want to get out and do the work. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get paid. And that's it. But you got to pay taxes. And you got to pay for your fuel bills. And you got to pay for your material and all of your stuff. And at the end of all that, how much did you really make? Well, unfortunately, the, the woman that – I'm just saying a woman because usually they're smarter than we are as men. Um, they, uh, they have it all organized and ready. And it's like, hey, you lost $50 today. You're like, oh, shit, what did I do wrong? You know? So that's something that you need to really think about, too, is, you know, to be successful, you got to have somebody behind you that is taking care of all of your mess. And that's, that's a big deal. It really is. It's a really big deal. But here we go again about my hobbies. I just, I don't know. I, I, love, I love dirt bikes. I like my trucks. I, I love to decorate. I'm a decorating fool. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but if you come in here and you dump off a truckload of old antique shit, I could decorate a restaurant in about two days, like cool. And that's, I like that kind of stuff. You know, that's kind of a fun hobby. It just takes my mind away. I get very creative. I like, you know, if you've seen the cars that I build on TV, I get obsessed with it to where I live it. And the only way to really make something look the way you want is you have to live it for that time. So every card that I did, you know, when I built, there was one on there called the clown car. I don't know if you ever seen it, but I built the clown car. It had a blown big block Chevy in it. I slept with my headphones in with creepy clown music for two weeks. I was so creeped out and I had clowns trying to kill me in my sleep. I, I was in it. I would come to work in a different frame of mind. I was completely obsessed with how it looked when it was done. And that's how they all turn out is I have to live them. So, and I guess, you know, building cars on the side of being a welder was my hobby. And then I turned it into a job. And so I guess being creative like that is my hobby. Really. It's, it's, it's fun for my brain to think about crazy cool stuff. You so really funny about the clown car. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. I but did I think that a couple of nights ago I was on our Instagram 
and I like scroll and I was like watching, like I got, I went down a rabbit hole and I was like watching like a lot of videos right before bed. And I was up really late and I dreamt about welding all night long because I was on my phone, like just like looking at it. And I woke up and I was like, I don't even know if I slept. I felt <laughs> yeah. like I was doing the same thing I was doing when I fell asleep. Your brain does that. And that's how I, that's what happens with me. And, you get um, into the zone. Yeah, no, I get into the zone. And um, I know that like you had some comments on there about like, you know, you know, why would I pay for this course when I can watch it free? And, you know, I know we kind of talked about that and it's like, well, this course isn't for everybody. And most guys that have an attitude like that don't even need to watch it. You know what I mean? It's the ones that really want to learn how to weld. And those are the guys that I want. I don't, you know, the guys that already know how to weld or, or think they know how to weld, they just need to keep going that route. Um, but the ones that want to learn how, those are the ones that I want. And I want them to come here and, you know, what a cool legacy to leave when I'm an old man that these young guys can be like, I went to Steve Darnell's welding course. And since then I've built 10 cars. Um, I'm a, you know, structural welder. Or I do this or do that, or I've taken it to something else. And that's what happened. Like doing Vegas rat rods and building these rat rods. I have literally thousands of kids that are welders now because of it. You know, women, women want to weld. They love it. They think it's so cool. And, you know, you look online now, you got all these girls out there that are welding and they're good. Um, you know, I met one up in Montana. She's a young girl, probably in her 20s. She works all day in a structural shop welding all day. And actually, I have her coming to um, – she's going to come down to Vegas because I want to take her through the shop and show her around. But she she's a good influencer. And she's not like one of those ones that's really heavy on her social media, you know, because she's not allowed to have her phones in her work area. But she's hardcore. I mean, she's in there all day with men working her butt off and welding and loves it. She loves it. So – and she's making a great – She's making a great living doing it. And it just cracks me up to think that these girls are in there out welding these dudes. You know, it's just, I don't know. These guys are overworking at Starbucks and this girl's over here freaking throwing I-beams around, putting passes on it and building flanges and drilling holes and running a bridge crane and wearing a hard hat. And she's more badass than he is, you know? So we better... These boys better look out because these girls, man, they're getting tough. You know, they have no choice. You know, so I just love it. It's a good, it's a good world for everybody to get involved in. I don't care who you are, what color you are, where you come from. It's a great, it's a great trade. All right. Well, that's pretty much all of the questions that I have for you. And I really appreciate you jumping on a call with me and Sorry that I had to call you back again, but I think that we covered all the questions now. Yeah, whatever. Whenever you guys need something, you know, <laughs> I think it's it's cool. And I appreciate you guys uh, getting me on here and, you know, just letting me be able to kind of explain my story. And, you know, like I said before, I don't I don't know everything, you know. I mean, I just thought Welder Up was a cool name because 
people would come in my shop and they'd be like, Hey Steve, can you weld this? And I'm like, bring it in. I'll weld her up. I'll weld her up. And it just got catchy and I decided to call it welder up, you know? And, um, you know, since then it's just been a success, you know, I mean, we've done TV show on discovery channel and we've inspired literally hundreds and thousands and of people to be a welder or to be, to look at it and maybe even take a look at it because most people wouldn't even have took a look at it. But when they see what I've created, then they're like, Oh, well to be able to put that together, I need to learn how to weld. Yeah, of course you do. Anything with automobiles, you got to learn how to weld. And I think it's inspired so many young kids out of Canada. I, I have a group of kids that follow me that have built their own rat rods that came to my shop when they were little kids. And now they're building their own rat rods. I watch them all the time on there. And that makes you feel good. That makes you know that you did something right, that I'm influencing kids to do something positive that's creating wealth and, and honest, hard work. You know, um, I'm not on YouTube showing you how to vape. You know what I mean? That's, that's dumb. The only thing that's going to be smoking is a rod out of my shop, not a vape. You know what I mean? And as long as these kids can, I know it's tough, but if you can keep your nose clean and stay away from the drugs and the alcohol and stay focused, you're going to be successful. But if you, uh, you include all that stuff in your life, your success is going to go down or it's going to come really late in life. So, you know, while you're young and you can do it, you can climb up the top of that tower and weld it back together. Or you can climb in that hole or jump underneath something while you're young. Keep your, keep your nose clean and stay off the drugs because that that's just going to make you go backwards. Really? I don't care how talented you are. Um, you're never going to climb the ladder when you're doing that. So and that's another thing. I mean, I just never really got into that. You know, I never got into drugs. And, you know, I didn't drink and, you know, I'm not saying I never have, but I just, I never really, I never got into that. You know, it's like work came first to provide for everything else. And that's just my, was my motto, yeah. you know? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to this episode from our Weld.com podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube for weekly videos. You can also join as a member on Weld.com and join forums, ask technical questions, and help others in the community. Now, let's go weld it out.